right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that little bit there, because this is going to be getting a little bit more serious from here on out. So, to introduce ourselves, I'm Nathan, and this is my younger brother, Dylan. Dylan? Mm-hmm. And we're Pen It Down. The topic of our conversation today is serial bombings. More specifically, the Olympic Park bomber, Eric Rudolph. So, the background of our serial bomber is that he was born in 1966. Currently, he'd be 53, I believe. Well, is he still alive? Yeah, currently he's serving a life sentence without parole in jail. You'll see why. Anyways, he was born on the Merritt Island of Florida. And after his father died, uh, his mother, Patricia, moved him and their family to near Lord Davis and That's where they, Rudolph found the Christian identity a kind of who hold views on anti-semitism and anti-non-whites non-anti-gay and they didn't uh they express these views very strongly i wouldn't give merit to any of their views really not yeah yeah i got that when his family moved, he also found his mentor, uh, Thomas Branham, a survivalist and a person who believed the government had no authority or jurisdiction over him. Something else that's pretty notable from his childhood is that he wrote a class paper denying the Holocaust ever happened, which I just can't help but find unbelievable, Dylan. That is pretty unbelievable. Thank you for that input. <laughs> Anyways, he also joined the U.S. Army, from which he was discharged two years later because of marijuana use. So, on to actually what he did to become a serial bomber. Um, he bombed Atlanta's Centennial Park during the Summer Olympics. And it was here that Alice Hawthorne and Meli Uzunyol, a Turkish cameraman, were died, and 111 other people were injured. Um, also, Richard Jewell, a uh, security guard, was found to be a suspect at this one, uh, even though he had uh, evacuated 75 up to 100 people away from the bomb after spotting it. And did you know, they're actually making, they actually made a movie about him. Richard Jewell. Yeah, that's kind of telling me you didn't watch that movie. Anyways, he also bombed um, an abortion clinic in Sandy Springs, Atlanta. Other side lounge, a lesbian bar and lounge, and the new woman, all women clinic at Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I see where his influences brought him. Okay. Anyways, uh, it was actually at the Birmingham Ball where he, the authorities, got onto his trail. He was first seen by bystanders suspiciously calmly leading, leaving the scene. So this bystander followed him with his friend in the car. And as they were following, they found his truck and they began following that in their own vehicle. Um, the bystander also wrote down the license plate number onto his coffee cup, which was Candy 1117. Later on, this truck was found in North Carolina, found by a pair of raccoon hunters. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, raccoon hunters. Something about them, eh? Yeah. What, well, they got those raccoon hats? I, I don't know. No, they're just raccoon hunters. I'm not sure if they actually had raccoon hats. Moving on. So, yeah, I'm gonna... So, yeah, he was later actually found by a rookie police officer rummaging through a trash bin for food. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're on the run from the FBI and all, everyone, for about five years, I mean, there's only so much that you can do for, like looking for food. But it was actually, um, um, it, he also applied his influence from Thomas, his mentor, uh, but his survivalist uh, influence by he was known he was uh it's noted that he had a lot of places to escape to he had the schedules of food trucks coming into first stores written down so when he knew exactly when he could uh, grab and steal some food from the suppliers he had some stolen grain buried barrels of it actually which so and he had a lot of hiding places which he could even navigate in the mountains during the night. All that. Well, like I said, there's only so many things they can do, and a lot of things that can happen. So at this point, you might be wondering, what actually constitutes a serial killer? Or actually, at what point does a person become a serial killer or a serial bomber? Well, they kill No, in fact, that is not the reason. Sometimes that might be a murder spree, or maybe a uh, triple homicide. But um, a serial bomber, in this case, you should have, there is a rule of three, for which I mean, there are three separate events, three separate bombings, I mean. There are at least three victims, and there are three separate dates for these bombings. And for our serial bomber, Eric Rudolph, um, he had four separate bombings on four separate days, which left um, three victims and more than a hundred injured. Yeah, so because of this, when he was found, uh, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, like I said earlier. And now maybe you see why. Yeah, um, so he also... In, change, in exchange for that sentence, as opposed to something worse, probably, he pled guilty to all four of the bombings, which also absolved um, Richard Jewell, the suspected security guard. You know, from the movie that I mentioned earlier? Oh yeah, that one. What was his name again? Okay. <laughs> Richard Jewell. Alright? Alright, I got it. Some more information is that um, actually he did not go undergo psychological testing, but typically in this field, um, a professional psychologist questions a suspect for expert testimony in court. For serial for serial bombers, sometimes they are found legally legally insane, such as in the case of George Metesky, the Mad Bomber, or simply describe their motives and provide evidence in court. Um, it's also pretty notable that in most of his bombs, he used either pipe bombs or dynamite, using nails tacked as shrapnel and remotely detonating the bombs. Also, in the one of the bombings, a security guard, uh, Robert Sanderson, um, is noted that 
uh, what Rudolph admitted to waiting for him to stand directly over the bomb to detonate it. And I just, I kind of, <sighs> nothing to say? Oh, yeah, I was thinking. Okay, you re- I just I can't believe it just finding out that you're so bad with names. Alright, I guess that's true. Anyways, so police also identified him by his race, white. He was male, brown hair, blue eyes, and had a notable scar on his chin. Uh, Dylan, have anything to say to our sponsors? Well, I'd like to thank our sponsors. FBI, the ADL, the Washington Post, and CNN. All right. Make sure to send it. Hey, folks. What about our personal opinion on this matter? Okay. Well, I just the entire. I get that there are some things you want to say, and there are some things you want to show to the go, uh, to change policy. Bombings, harming other people. That's not no way to go about it. I, there's no way I can support that, or like even think. Um, that as a viable way to get your opinion out there. I am personally anti-killing other people. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you are too personally against killing people.